welcome to another episode of Search News You Can Use with me, Callum Scott. And me, Dr. Marie Haynes. This week, you might not recognize my guest, but I sure do. Callum has been part of my team since mid-2018. And uh, Callum is one of MHC's site auditors and also the director of products and services at MHC. So welcome to this chat, Callum. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's, uh, it's going to be fun. It's been four years listening to the podcast and I think it's uh, about time that I get to be on it right <laughs> it is about time you know we've had some fantastic <laughs> conversations about what Google is doing with their algorithms and uh, uh, with Callum and with the rest of the team and I realized this week that you know I've been interviewing all of these great minds in the industry when uh, a bunch of the great minds are sitting right here with me well not like right beside me <laughs> but working remotely with me <laughs> and uh, and so Callum and I are going to talk today about how MHC services our clients, how we offer SEO to our clients. The goal is not to be a commercial for MHC, but uh, rather to hopefully help those of you who also offer uh, SEO services. Um, if you can see what we do, you know, maybe that'll help uh, your processes uh, develop as well. Um, and then we're going to talk, uh, Google just announced uh, today as we're recording this, uh, they just announced uh, the May core update is live, which it's been six months now, right, Callum? Since... Uh, since we had a core update? Yeah, it's been a, it's been a long time coming. I know a lot of uh, SEOs are either going to be waking up happy or sad today, but a lot of people have been working on fixing their sites, have been waiting for a, a core update for quite some time. So fingers crossed exactly. for everyone yeah, out there. Yeah. And like Google says in their documentation, if you've been working on, uh, if you were hit by a core update in the past, um, you often and pretty much all the time need to see at least one more core update before you can recover. Uh, so those of you who have been working on improving EAT and improving your content quality, uh, hopefully this update is, is rewarding for you. Um, Google announced it on uh, Wednesday, May 25th and said it's going to take a week or two to roll out, which is pretty normal for core updates. Um, and uh, I would say for the last few core updates, Callum, most of the time when sites are hit, are affected, it, it happens on the day Google announces it, most of the time. Would you agree with that? Not all the time, right? Yeah, I'm, not all the time. So we've been seeing um, a little bit of a shift in that, I guess. I mean, definitely if we think back to, you know, the first major update after I joined MHC would have been August 1st. And there's... I remember I did a, a presentation at DMSS in Bali and we had all these screenshots, with these big hockey sticks down and hockey sticks up. And that does still happen, right, for a long time. Mm -hmm. That was um, the medic update. But more right? and more, the, yeah. that was the medic update, yeah. And But more and more, we're seeing either moderate improvements or moderate declines. And I think that really speaks to how Google's getting better at refining their how they assess um, intent and relevancy towards queries, which hopefully means there's not these huge swings for sites. But it can also, we have seen, you know, steady declines or steady improvements or sort of ups and downs over the two week period. So it's really getting a lot murkier, I guess, for mm -hmm. being able to, you know, assess how, how much a site's been impacted, which I guess is we're probably going to talk about is why we're, why we're getting a lot more granular with what we're looking at when we do our, our quality assessments and our traffic drop assessments. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it, it's a whole, it's a whole different game now than it was four years ago, which is, yeah, I remember SEO, that I day. So August 1st, 2018 was the, we eventually the SEO community called it the medic update. I think Barry Schwartz gave it that name because it was primarily medical sites that were affected, but really in hindsight, like it really, it was YMYL. Uh, so not yeah. necessarily just medical sites, right? 
And uh, yeah, August 1st, 2018, I was with a client at that time, a long-term client of ours who's still a, a good client of ours and uh, giving a presentation to their team. And somebody came in saying, oh, Google's running an update and their sites were seeing massive, massive improvements, which to them translated mm -hmm. into like huge money uh, for them to be ranking better. So it was, it was a really fantastic experience to actually be there with, uh, with our clients when they were seeing the benefits of a Google update. Um, and then Callum, I guess, is the person who... Uh, uh, gets to talk to uh, potential clients who are on the opposite end of the spectrum who have just been hit uh, by a, a Google update. Um, Callum also uh, is usually our first point of contact if you message the uh, MHC team, if you email us or, or uh, try to get help. Um, and so uh, what would you say, have you, you, we haven't seen as many sites uh, saying they've had a massive drop off the cliff uh, with Google updates uh, recently, have we? Yeah, yeah, I think, um... The days of people being on that update roller coaster, it definitely still happens. Like, you know, I monitor a lot of the forums and kind of keep in the loop with that sort of stuff. And I think there are certain niches or, or styles of SEO, if we wanted to call it that, where you're still at quite a big risk of an update really, you know, punishing you if you've been, you know, doing some black hat stuff and some, you know, less reputable SEO tactics, shall we say. But on the whole, I think people are starting to really get the message of, Content quality is very important. EAT is very important. And if you're kind of sticking to those lines, you're not going to see as, as huge impacts. But with that said, I mean, like as so many people listening will know, even a 5% drop in, in traffic to a big money page on your site can really hurt your bottom line. So that's what I'm usually talking to clients about when they, when they call in asking for help. Um, it's almost a therapist role, I guess, when you're on the phone <laughs> with someone who's a, uh, who's who's been hit pretty hard um but yeah i i definitely think those those huge huge drops are are less common these days i thankfully. think so yeah i'll with that being said though um we uh just published uh this week actually probably on the day that the um podcast episode is going out an article about a a smaller update uh, i'm assuming it's an update um google did something on may around may 16th to 18th of uh, this year 2022 and you know we for years every time there was uh, all of this there would be chatter about google doing an update we'd go digging in and trying to figure out what was it that google changed um you remember callum when we did uh I think it was June 2019. Do you remember which update that was? I'm putting you on the spot. Uh, no, <laughs> I okay. don't remember. <laughs> that's all right. No, that's okay. Um, so that was the one where we actually did find a lot of the sites that were hit were contrary to scientific consensus. Uh, oh, and yeah. so, uh, so there was, you know, sometimes with updates, there's a specific thing where we can say, oh, yeah, there's a pattern here that sites that were hit uh, had this problem. Um, and, you know, we haven't seen that in a long time. We... We, uh, we monitor, uh, I talk a lot about the SEMrush sensor um, and MozCast, does these tools that monitor the algorithmic turbulence. And um, lately, you know, it's been up pretty much every week. There's, uh, you know, a couple of days where we're like, huh, maybe Google ran something significant here. Well, May 16th to 18th, there, was, uh, there were way more sites than usual uh, that we're talking about seeing uh, problems. Um, so I, I don't know if we should maybe just briefly talk about that. We did kind of analyze it. Um, uh, and what we saw was that a large number of affiliate sites were affected, uh, but I don't think this was an affiliate uh, update. Um, we saw that a lot of sites that had been uh, building 
I don't want to say low quality links, but building links in ways that maybe are traditionally accepted as, oh, here's how you do SEO. You, uh, uh, you create your own mm -hmm. links pointing to your site, which is something that, you know, we haven't condoned for, uh, you know, for, for many years. Um, a lot of these sites were affected. Uh, and so uh, it's, it's kind of hard to figure out exactly what Google's doing, but there are a few other things that uh, we noted as um, similarities amongst the sites that were affected uh, with this potential update. Um, and at this point, we're still really, really early in our analysis and understanding. So I'm mentioning it just to say that we do have an article on this um, and uh, you can find that on our website at mariehaines.com. And as we get more information, uh, we will update that article. Uh, but then just as we were about to publish the article, Google said, oh, by the way, uh, we're releasing a core update uh, this week. And that's very, very exciting, uh, again, because it's been six months since, uh, since we had our last core update. Um, when Google releases a core update, they always refer us to this blog post that I talk about endlessly, uh, what site owners should know about core updates. And this blog post really is... Uh, kind of the basis of where we started our site reviews. Um, I want, I want, I'm going to share a little bit of history about our site reviews, and then Callum is going to uh, kind of come in and explain how they've evolved and what they are today. Um, Initially, my site reviews, what they were was uh, back in 2012, I was hanging out in the SEO chat forums. And uh, people in April of 2012, so 10 years ago, there was this big change, which we all know now was Penguin, Google's Penguin algorithm. And uh, Penguin happened. And just before that, we had a Panda uh, thing that happened. And site owners were really confused. And so what I started telling people was, you know, just go into your analytics and look at these dates and see, did your traffic, your Google organic traffic, traffic change on those dates. Um, and, you know, a lot of business owners uh, were not uh, either able or willing to do that. And so they started paying me uh, to do this report where I all I would basically say is, yes, you were affected by Penguin or yes, you were affected by Panda. Um, and initially there was no recovery advice whatsoever. It was just a, a yes, you were affected. And then uh, bit by bit, as Google shared more information, I started to include this in the reports. You know, so if John Mueller, for example, in a help hangout said uh, that, um, you know, Panda, uh, maybe we should be looking at um, the, whether we had thin content on our, our websites, uh, then that's something that I would start assessing on websites. And so bit by bit, this report that initially was a couple of pages of uh, Google Analytics screenshots is now, how many pages is our standard report, Callum? It's kind of embarrassing, I think. They, they end up be no, yeah, they end up being around 150 to 180 pages long. Uh, and at least half of that is manually handwritten stuff from the team. Mm -hmm. uh, there's, you know, there's explanatory notes in there, which is our sort of encyclopedia of SEO to kind of explain our thinking to people. But most of it's all handwritten, which, you know, is a little uncommon, I think, within our industry. I think it was only uh, a couple of weeks ago, we referred a client over to Joy at Sterling Stuck Sky, and she received the audit that we'd done. And we, we couldn't take this client on ongoing, sadly, um, but they were a perfect fit for them. And she went, wow, this is going to take me longer to read than it is to onboard the client. <laughs> like, and uh, so, yeah, they're, they're quite extensive at this point. They're kind of, they've grown arms and legs, but I think that, you know, it speaks to how good the team are being able to find as much valuable information and how much they want to provide to the to clients after they've been hit. 
And we have a really neat system with our newsletter because uh, I'm not sure how many people realize uh, that the newsletter, I mean, it used to be written 100% by me. And, uh, and now I write, uh, sometimes I write the algo update section. Uh, Callum took over for that when I was off last summer for a bit and did a fantastic mm -hmm. job. Uh, so Callum is kind of our, our uh, second in, in line in terms of uh, understanding Google algorithm updates. <laughs> um, and, uh, and I would argue that maybe he knows more than I do uh, on a lot of these areas. Uh, and so this is, a, this is a good thing that we get uh, input from multiple people. Um, and so the team writes, uh, anytime Google does something, like we get a, a statement from a Googler or a, a new Google document or even a podcast, you know, uh, Martin Split and uh, John Mueller and Gary Ish often do these podcasts. Um, somebody on, on our team is assigned to listen or read to that and, uh, and then see what can we take from it that we could use uh, for our clients. And so we put it in newsletter um, and in doing so, uh, that sort of solidifies it in the team member's head because uh, when something comes up and somebody says, oh, well, mm -hmm. I have this issue with a canonical problem or, a, you know, hreflang or whatever, uh, one of the team will say, oh, yeah, I wrote about that in newsletter. Uh, and so it's always there. Uh, the knowledge is always there. Um, and so uh, as we have these ideas to improve site quality, that's something that we add to our reports wherever, uh, wherever it's helpful. Uh, and then the reports, the goal of the report is to um, not say, all right, here's 150 pages, good luck. Uh, we prioritize yeah. <laughs> uh, what is most likely to move the needle in our opinion. Um, I wanted to talk, uh, so if you know MHC, you know us probably for one of two things. Um, initially, I was known uh, for understanding Google penalties and link quality uh, and penguin algorithm and all that stuff. And we still do do, uh, we have a manual actions department that uh, still does a fair amount of work uh, in that area. But by far, uh, what we're known for now is in understanding this concept of EAT. Uh, and so, uh, Callum, why don't you talk about the part of our report that you developed um, that looks at uh, a site's entities and helps them improve their EAT? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think it was a. Uh, it's been a hot topic in SEO for the last couple of months or so. But we've uh, we've been trying to figure out how Google could be algorithmically assessing all these things that are in the quality raters guidelines. All these sort of they're almost like a goal that Google's trying to get to. They're trying to assess these things um, using a machine, and you know. We are very much of the opinion, as everyone that listens to this podcast knows, that Google is able to do this. And we've seen that time and time again, right? We've seen updates where sites that have good, they tick the boxes in terms of EAT, are rewarded on the whole. And, you know, I think that's quite undeniable. But it's very, it's a long rabbit hole to go down to try and figure out how they might be doing this. And I think we kind of almost stumbled upon a couple of years ago that what a lot of you know, people more on the fringe of SEO were writing about with the knowledge graph and entity information. And this kind of was a bit of a light bulb going, oh, well, if Google's going to be in any way sort of evaluating how much, you know, expertise a certain site should be considered to have or how much authority a certain author may have, it would probably make a lot of sense for them to be doing it using this knowledge graph that they have. Mm -hmm. um, and it's kind of grown arms and legs from there of how we assess you know, potentially how Google could be evaluating the authors on someone's site, uh, the entity as a whole of the of the um, of the, the brand business, or the brand, um, yeah, the business, yeah. Um, and then also more recently, we've started looking at sort of on a semantic level, 
how the way that your content is written could also um, display EAT. Like, have you written with the correct terminology, with the correct entities on the page in a way that Google will be able to pick up using machine learning that you are an expert, you are an authority and that your content should be trusted. Um, so it's kind of gone down that rabbit hole and that's been what I've been working on for the last, uh, last few months, a little bit more intensively is providing this sort of more specialized EAT assessment for clients, which has been going really well so far. Mm -hmm. There's so much that can be said about, uh, about entities. I, I've been so fascinated with um, the idea that Google uh, could actually understand the content that's on pages. Um, I think, uh, mm -hmm. and it was Callum who uh, uh, gave me this, or brought to me this idea of uh, lexical search versus semantic search. And I talk about this in my upcoming SMX presentation, um, which by the way is available for free for anybody who wants to watch it. It will launch uh, on June 14th. And SMX Advance is usually like a very expensive paid conference, uh, but this year it's completely free. So uh, I'm gonna be talking about the specifics of um, entities, EAT, the knowledge graph and how all of those things uh, sort of go together. And a big part of that talk uh, was this understanding of whether Google is a semantic search engine or a lexical search engine, which was a term that I, I'll be honest, I, I had not heard before. So Callum, why don't you explain the difference uh, between those? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think, um, so lexical search is traditional search engines. It's how a lot of, most of us assume search engines work. Google's looking to match the keywords in your query and that some of it's in to a document on the web, on the internet. So a website or a piece of content and try to match them in a way that's going to make the user happy. But they do this without under, actually really understanding what you asked in the query and what's actually on the page. They're doing it, you know, it's all coincidences and correlations and trying to capitalize on being good at predicting the right outcome. What semantic search is, on the other hand, is Google using machine learning and natural language processing and AI systems to truly understand what were you asking when you typed in blue widgets or where can I buy a blue widget or whatever it is? And then truly understanding what piece of content might match that. And at this point in time, we're in like a really interesting era for search because we're straddling these two worlds, or at least we believe that, right? They're still using traditional lexical search for a lot of, a lot of searches on, on the web. But for some searches, they are, we believe, right? Using semantic search. And it's just, there's, there's an, an in-between bit. And I think we've talked about this quite a lot. It all comes down to resource allocation. Uh, it's incredibly expensive to do semantic search across the entire web. So Google is mm. quite selective about when they use it and when they don't. And it means that right now we're kind of playing that game of figuring out is a site or the queries, I should say, that a site's trying to rank for getting judged from a semantic level? Are they getting judged as a lexical search? Or is it a bit of both? And I think more and more we're in that a bit of both gray area, which is mm -hmm. so interesting to kind of to see happening in the wild all the time. It is. And what I've been mentioning for a while now is this, this realization that in 2013, when uh, Google announced the Hummingbird engine, and they said, oh, this is like the biggest change in search that we've had. Uh, and yet SEOs didn't notice anything. Uh, and I found an article from the Wall Street Journal that uh, talked about how um, Hummingbird gave Google the capability 
to be a semantic search engine or to at least incorporate semantic search but it doesn't mm -hmm. actually say that uh, they they did it at that time you know and yeah. so my theory is that semantic search semantics means understanding language and so the more google understands language uh, the more they the better they get at this uh, this semantic um search capability mm -hmm. and look at all of the advancements that they've had i mean they've had bert uh rank brain we're gonna soon be seeing the power of mum uh which uh, uh is very very exciting um and these are all changes uh in understanding language which i think pushes google more towards being semantic um and i think there's there's two yeah. areas where that's important for seos to know so one is this whole idea of eat i think a lot of this is uh you know if google um has a knowledge graph that says all right here is marie haynes and here are the connections that you know uh she is skilled at seo uh or she is the ceo of mhc those are all things that um can speak to who i am as uh and who mhc our, our business is in ways that uh that the quality raters guidelines tell us google wants to measure um so it really it really explains that eat is a possibility uh, as well um, and then the other thing that really, really excites me then is this whole idea of understanding language on pages, which uh, I, I don't know how much we want to go into that discussion because there's a lot of theory, you know, we, we, we can't really uh, back it all up yet. But I really think that the core update questions, so when Google says things like, does this site, does this content uh, provide substantially more value than other pages, um, that, that can be determined with semantic search. Would you agree with me on that, Cal? I think that's it's definitely what they're working towards, right? That's um, I, 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 I agree with you. I think that the, the core updates questions, and you know, they're almost a succinct version of the quality raters guidelines, right? Mm -hmm. The quality raters guidelines are, you know, how you would instruct someone to evaluate that at scale, just what the the raters do to test whether or not the algorithm is doing what it should be doing and provide feedback. But the core update questions really just kind of synthesize what Google wants to be providing. And if you were to examine the results that you got from any query you put in, it should satisfy all those criteria. And there, there's no way that they can do that without semantic search. I think mm -hmm. it's, it's the logical progression. And they're just getting, they're getting closer and closer to doing it every single time. So we, as, um, as we do in our site reviews, we kind of take the approach of, well, let's get your site to the point that it answers all these questions for all the queries and query clusters that you're going for. And then you're ahead of the game. You're going to get rewarded right now for what Google is doing with semantic search, and it's only going to keep getting better. Mm -hmm. And you can kind of tweak as it goes. And I always think, you know, there are some SEOs out there who I think think quite incrementally about how fast Google develops. But you all, we also have to remember that there's what you know people in computer science call Moore's law, which is the faster that a technology is growing, the more exponentially it grows. Mm, so okay. we think back, you know, the changes that Google made in 2018 to search. Each year, the changes are getting bigger and bigger and bigger because the more the cheaper processing power gets, the faster they develop, the quicker machine learning comes along. It just it grows like this and it sort of exponentially. So I think we're going to see some very rapid changes to how much Google uses semantic search in you know, the coming months and the coming years. And 
this is the time right now that we, we really want sites across the web to be ahead of the game and answering those, making sure your site answers those questions is, you know, the, the first place to start, I think. Google's told us what they want. Mm-hmm. I find this insane that there's so many <laughs> SEOs out there who are like, don't listen to Google, blah, blah. Like, you have to take it all with pinch of salt. You have to look at it and go, you know, they've given us these questions. You know, I meet Signal gave us the 20 Panda questions seven, eight years ago, and people still ignore them. Mm-hmm. And I haven't seen a single site that we've assessed that's doing well with, with updates that doesn't answer those questions. Well. Mm-hmm. It's, there's, there's a correlation and a causation, right? Um, I'm rambling those, at this point. Those, no, no, you're not <laughs> rambling. You could keep talking. It's great. Uh, those uh, panda questions, actually, I made a, a really interesting discovery about those this week. So on the day that uh, this podcast is being released, I'm also doing a live webinar. Uh, I know, I think it's at 11 a.m. Eastern on uh, Thursday, so May 26th, uh, for Duda. Uh, and it's going to be with uh, John Mueller and Barry Schwartz. And we're talking about Google updates, which the timing is great, considering that Google just released a core <laughs> update. Um, and one of the things that I was uh, was doing was going over, um, we had just lost uh, Bill Slosky. And uh, we should probably mention here, I mean, I'm sure everybody listening understands, yeah. knew that uh, Bill passed away this week. And Bill was such an important part of our lives. Uh, we learned so much from him. Um, and so I was just, you know, I couldn't focus on this presentation. I was, uh, I was looking at what Bill's site had said about Panda and about Penguin, and I was just kind of reminiscing. And through looking at his uh, articles on patents, I went down this little rabbit trail of learning about Panda. So Panda SEOs, we kind of always say it's about thin and duplicate content, right? I mean, uh, and, and we kind of argue mm-hmm. on the duplicate side. And, I, you know, I, I often wondered why that is. And it's because when Panda first came out, um, Danny Sullivan, who was uh, not at Google at the time, he was uh, at Search Engine Land, wrote an article um, talking, calling Panda the farmer update uh, because it went, it really had a strong impact on content farms, on sites that just had content on every possible subject. Uh, and they wrote for what they thought search engines would like, as opposed to like, oh, this is actually really helpful, valuable content. Um, and so uh, a month before, Panda launched. Uh, this is where I found this link in one of Bill's uh, patents. Was uh, Matt Cutts uh, from Google wrote an article, a blog post, saying, "Oh, by the way, we released this update." And it, the update had no name. It was not Panda. This was a month before Panda. And the goal of that update was to uh, reduce uh, sites that uh, copied other sites' content and had thin content. Uh, and so, you know, Google was doing something before Panda. And then when Panda came out. Everything that Google gave us on it, it was not about duplicate content. Uh, I suppose in one way we could say it was about thin content because it was about content quality. But every article I can find where somebody from Google is discussing this, they're talking about Amit Singhal's questions. Uh, And these are the same questions. They call them the 23 questions for Panda that I think now there are Mm -hmm. 20 questions on the uh, core update list. Uh, But they're essentially the same questions about, you know, did an expert write this content? Uh, That's not how it's uh, worded. But um, questions that uh, are essentially the quality raters guidelines uh, summed down. So... Google has been working on this idea of trying to algorithmically assess content. And that was the other thing. In Google's uh, 
blog post on Panda when it first came out, they said in two places, okay, here's some questions you should assess. And these questions give you an idea of how we try to algorithmically tackle uh, site quality. So Google came right out and told us like 10 years mm -hmm. ago that uh, these questions aren't just nice things that you should try to do because, you know, create great content. Um, they're actually things they're trying to algorithmically assess. I, that was a little rabbit trail for me to go down there too. No, I mean, I did. I went down a similar rabbit hole when I was doing um, our the part one of our, our Google ranking system post that went live a few weeks ago. Um, and there are so many of these tiny little updates that happen. Um, the thing that I really took away from it was, again, thinking about this leptical versus semantic search kind of kind of bridge between the two. Um, I was reading, I think I sent it to you, a post from Microsoft yes. talking about how they implement semantic search. And it, it kind of talks about how traditional search focuses on removing or limiting bad results. So they're looking for, for signals that suggest these links are unnatural or this has been written to try and game a system. And it's all about weeding that nonsense out of the search results and then kind of providing the, the ranked list. Semantic mm -hmm. search is going the other way, right? It's trying to understand the content and promote stuff that's good. And it's kind of, it's, it's two different worlds. And I find, I never really thought about it that way, about when Google says, oh, we're trying to algorithmically think, figure this out versus we're trying to understand the content and promote it. And I hadn't thought about it that way before. And it's, it's, yeah. yeah the, the document that Calm's talking about, uh, I'll link to it in the show notes. It's a, it's Microsoft is really, really open about how they use semantic search, but this is for Microsoft Azure, right? Not, uh, it's, so it's like a, a, yeah. a cloud search, uh, software, I guess, uh, or solution that companies can use, uh, for their own search needs, um, yeah. as opposed to Bing. We, uh, we don't know if that's yeah. how Bing. Yeah. Okay. Um, no, it's, it's, just, it's just an, it's an example of how you could use a semantic search. Engine. Yeah. What struck yeah. me in that article was the part where they talked about um, re-ranking the top 50 results. Do you remember that? Mm -hmm. Do you think you can explain that? Yeah. Uh, what, yeah, go ahead yeah, and explain that because that blew my mind. Yeah. So essentially, again, it's, it's Microsoft Azure's sort of open source search program. So you literally buy this. If you're using their, uh, their cloud platform, you can say, oh, I want a search algorithm as part of my system. And they give you the option to use semantic search and it's quite expensive. So that kind of gives you context for how much Google might be using a similar system. But the way they work it is they run the search that the user provides through their traditional lexical um, search engine. And then they take the top 50 results and then run that through a semantic system and reorder those top 50 results based on what they found. So it's not that you know, the hundreds and hundreds of thousands of documents are all going through the semantic system. It's a reordering based upon what they found with the original Let's Go search engine, which it seems to be cropping up all over the place, but, you know, they're using both. And, mm -hmm. and it's, you know, I think it's quite plausible that Google could be using a very similar system, which is why when I think they do updates, we see so much turbulence because the top, it's the top results that are really getting messed around with. After you get past page one, two, three, yeah, that's just yeah. a jumbled mass of documents, right? There's nothing really important there. Um, but it's in that sort of that first chunk of category. That's getting rearranged. And SEOs know this all the time. If, you're, if your site drops from position two to four, even, it can have a huge impact on your traffic. 
But all that might mean is Google just has recognized someone else is slightly more semantically relevant for this query. And that, that can change as well. That's what really interests me in it is that the relevancy and intent of a query shifts at the same time, just as people change. Mm-hmm. And I think the better Google's getting at that, the more we do see it quite a lot with our traffic drop assessments, where there is just a shift in what the public want. So yeah, you had a traffic drop. It wasn't because you did something wrong or Google didn't like your site. It's people don't particularly want what you had on your page versus what someone else did. So you have mm-hmm. to update your content. And it's, you know, that's almost good or bad for, for clients. It's really good in the sense of if you stay on top of trends and what people want, you're going to keep succeeding. It's bad for people who want to just sort of set it and forget it on their website because right. and build people's taste change. So <laughs> and build links to it, yeah. Although links are, I mean, we can talk about links perhaps. Now this isn't the place for, for us to talk about that. It's probably a good place. So uh, you mentioned our traffic drop assessments, which is something we've sort of been uh, building out here. Um, Callum and also Alec on our team uh, have been, uh, and this is something I've wanted to build since before I hired people, uh, was uh, something much more specific. So and I told you that initially my uh, traffic drop reports were basically, oh yes, you've been hit by Panda, you've been hit by Penguin, and here's some general advice on recovery. Um, and then we, we developed those into more specific, like, oh, well, Google says if you have this quality issue, then you know, here's what they want to see. And, uh, and then the next evolution of this was, is our traffic drop assessments. So they're still in beta right now. We were running them on a few clients with mm-hmm. really, really, uh, I'm, I'm really pleased by uh, the data that we're getting out of them. So Callum, why don't you uh, share a bit more about uh, what we're soon about to offer to people? Yeah, so it's, as you say, it's something we've been working on and wanting to do for years. It's just, it's a very labor intensive process to get off the ground. What we're doing is we're using two, a custom data studio setup along with a software called Analytics Edge. And what we do is we use the Search Console API to pull in all the ranking data um, for the site that we're working with. And then we start to filter it out both manually and through a bunch of uh, preset filters in Data Studio. And what it helps us do is to really pinpoint over the period that the update rolled out or just the traffic drop in general has occurred, we can pinpoint what specific sections of a site got hit. So was it just the blog? Was it just this type of content? Was it content? targeting certain queries, was a certain query set that got dropped. And the rabbit hole just keeps going. And um, mm-hmm. I got to give a lot of shouts out to Alec, our technical director, who's gotten incredibly astute at doing this over, over the last sort of six to 12 months. And the result is that we can say with quite a bit of confidence, the reason that your traffic dropped was because of an intent shift around a certain um, sort of query set or page set a relevancy shift, or if it was a general site quality shift that we need to address. And the first two can be difficult for recovery because the, you know, the changes you have to make is to readdress what people want from your site. Mm-hmm. And perhaps they don't want an e-commerce site for a set of queries you're going after. So you know we have to get more creative with thinking new content strategies. But after we have the the traffic drop assessment done, we know where to go with a recovery process from there. And we have all this very specific keyword data and query data 
that tells us where the opportunities are, where the low-hanging fruit is, what we really need to focus on in, on improving. And it's it's been quite a game changer um, internally and for our clients of knowing how to approach a very targeted recovery strategy, um, whether that's going to end up being a broad site quality review, where we're looking for you know improvements across the site that Google's going to be able to pick up on, which I you know has been our bread and butter for years, or if we want to get a lot more sort of scalpel about it and work with someone over a six to twelve month engagement and really targeting using that data to really target specific parts of the site, specific EAT issues, and and then track the results. So it's it's been it's I'm very excited about it. It is very exciting, very, very exciting. And are we ready to offer that to uh, to more people if people are interested? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Right. Um, that's only been the last month or so. Um, we've we've been trying it out with a specific set of, of clients that really, really fit the bill. It's not going to be for everyone because it does. It's quite labor intensive, um, but the results are, are, are quite fantastic. So yeah, we're we're awesome. ready to roll it out. There'll be a, a page on the site about it within the next few weeks, hopefully. Fantastic. And if, if anybody's interested in being one of our uh, our first, uh, well, we've had our first and one of our early clients uh, yeah. on this, then you can reach out to us at help at mariehaines.com. And, uh, and you'll probably talk to Callum uh, and he'll, uh, <laughs> he'll, uh, he'll help you <laughs> decide whether it's going to be helpful for your site. That's something that uh, I think we've always mm -hmm. been very good at doing is a lot of sites reach out to us for help where we feel that we can't help them um you know and it's kind of a waste of our time and a waste of their money uh you know for us to just do a site quality review when uh maybe you know an intent shift has happened uh and you know mm -hmm. even improving the content on the site could help in some of those cases but usually uh it does not um so yeah so that's that's yeah. really really exciting and then the other thing that you uh touched on there as well is that uh we do have capacity now to uh we're taking on some long-term clients which is something for years all we did was because we had so much demand was these site quality reviews uh, and now that we've built up a team of uh, of and we've got such a great training program cas uh, has overseen our, our training overseen our training program um, mm -hmm. and bringing up our junior seos to uh, uh to be knowledgeable about everything google's doing and to know how to give that advice as well uh, I, i'm so thrilled with what uh, the team has done so do you want to share a little bit callum about what we can offer um, in terms of ongoing services as well yeah, absolutely. So we're, we're taking people on um, in sort of two capacities. Uh, the first is people that have seen traffic drops. We, um, we're now able to work with them to assess why this, the drop happened and then work very closely, almost like an additional member of their internal SEO team or with the site owner to, to improve the site in whichever way it needs to be improved on an ongoing basis and sort of be with them uh, on the journey towards recovery. Um, and then also we're we're able to apply a similar sort of approach, uh, but just to help sites that haven't seen a drop potentially, you know, everyone still wants more traffic mm -hmm. and to really help them improve on an ongoing basis. Um, so yeah, the, uh, the, the gates are open. Um, we're, we've been taking on a few already and I think we're ready to kind of kick off ongoing SEO services, which a lot of people listening, if they own an agency might think that we're crazy that we haven't done this before because mm -hmm. um, it is you know it's 
it's what most agencies do. They want to they want to sign a client on and work with them on a long term basis. And we've kind of approached it from the other direction, where we've provided this very specific assistance and then allowed people to to execute it on their own and then you know help them out further down the line after they've they've done the implementation. But now we're able to sort of be with them through that journey, which is going to be really exciting. Which is very, very exciting. So we have a couple of clients on that path already. And uh, I think we have room for a couple of more uh, at this point. Am I correct? Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and so again, you can reach out yeah. to us if you're interested there. I, I think for, you know, for those who are listening, just so this doesn't sound like a, just a commercial for MHC, um, <laughs> uh, my, my point in saying this is that it's, it's very difficult to know what to do for a site on a month to month basis. Like when we first started uh, doing SEO, we tinkered around with taking some clients and we were like, all right, we're going to do X number of hours per month. Um, and then, I mean, that was fine, mm-hmm. but like some work can take 20 hours uh, and maybe not be the most productive use of our time. And, uh, and so now, um, how, did, how did we sort of, how did we solve that? Like how, how do we uh, give deliverables to our clients? Mm-hmm. I think we were, we wanted, we, we were very careful when we were thinking about this. We didn't want to just be providing a monthly report with, you know, we built X amount of links, we created this much content for you, and, you know, here you go, which I think is incredibly helpful for a lot of sites who just want to kind of have someone else take care of their SEO and they want a predictable service. Um, I guess the way that we solved it is we're, we are being quite selective with who we work with. So, um, and that's not to sound sort of pretentious or anything, but we really want to be working with, with site owners who know how to do SEO. They are already very well-versed in what they're doing, but they just want that little bit of help from a specialist to get you know, the football over the last five yards. And that's kind of what we do. So we're not, if you work with us, for instance, you're not going to get a monthly report. You're going to get phone calls with us when we have advice to give and sort of a drip feeding of, oh, we think you should change this and change this and change this. So it does take a lot of trust between who we work with and and our team that we are just we're here to help provide results and we do that in the most efficient way possible. Um, so yeah, I guess that's being making sure we're a good fit for for both parties. I guess is how we've. we've handle yeah, that issue. I think everything comes down to communication, uh, you know, is um, yeah. understanding what the client's needs are and uh, what they what they reasonably want to uh, to see out of uh, hiring an SEO agency. Yeah. Um, and then figuring out, you know, how can we accomplish that is, uh, uh, is challenging sometimes. But I, I, I'm really, really pleased with Callum, what you and the team have put together uh, in organizing our services has been just incredible. So thank you for all the work that uh, that you've done. Um, I think, you know, I think we'll probably end it here. Uh, Both Callum and I are a little bit out of our regular uh, environment right now. Um, We're uh, in Ottawa in Canada and we had a horrible storm. They called it a Dereco, which is like uh, kind of like a hurricane with mini tornadoes. And, and so a good chunk of the city is out of power. Uh, I couldn't go to my office. That's why I'm, I'm here in my, uh, my basement and Callum's at a friend's place now. Uh, and so we're, uh, and now yeah. we've got a core update to figure out. <laughs> we're going to be, it's gonna be a really fun week to, uh, yeah. with half the team with no internet <laughs> running a marketing agency, digital marketing agency. I know. You know, I went through that. I went through that whole, like, uh, I don't know if you've been through the whole panic of like, what would happen if we completely lost our internet? (laughs) 
<laughs> you know, it would be hard to function. <laughs> so I'm not going to go down that road. I'm just going to think about the good yeah. things. Yeah. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Think about uh, Google ran an update, which is always our, our favorite thing to figure yeah. out. So um, for those of you who are interested in this type of thing, you can uh, follow me on Twitter, Marie underscore Haynes. Callum, you're on Twitter too, and you tweet a fair bit. What's your uh, Twitter handle? I am. I'm at Mr. Callum Scott um, on Twitter. If you follow me, you might help me to get to that golden thousand uh, followers before the end of the year, which might little personal go. goal <laughs> so there we go that's great yeah. i just not to brag over you callum i just hit 42k this week which was like a really really it blows my mind that uh, i get to just goof around and talk about what i think google's doing and then people want to hear uh, that on twitter so thank you uh, if you're a twitter follower of, of mine um and so I, i'm going to be sharing elon musk oh, says it's five percent of bots right i think that the people i'm talking with <laughs> yeah. every day are actually people who knows we uh search engine land uh, asked if i would write something on my experiences with playing around with the open ai tool uh which i don't think i'm the uh, in the place to oh, wow. to write an article on it yet but uh, i do tweet about some of the fun things that uh that i've I've seen. I think we need to pay attention to um, uh, AI in terms of content writing and and uh, and stuff. So we'll probably have more uh, on that coming up. Um, yeah. And uh, so, what else can we say here? Uh, I guess that's about it. So thank you so much, Callum, for uh, for joining me this week. And uh, for everybody else who's listening, I wish you the best of luck with your rankings.